welcome on in. Enzwell Boxing, Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at endswellpod at pearlhandmail.com. Yeah, you're welcome on in indeed. And I hope, wherever you happen to be listening to this, the latest fight-sized episode, that you're safe, you're happy, and that you're smiling. These are strange times, people. But boxing is booming. Fight camp week one was a smash. It was sensational. And week two is incoming. Red alert! Red alert! As always, it's my privilege and pleasure to be in your ears for the duration of this one. I had planned and hoped to have Dave Caldwell on the podcast way back when the news, before the news broke, that he was, he had signed to manage Paulie McCullough. I had been in contact and we kept in contact with his busy schedule and with lockdown coming upon us and everything else. We kept in touch, we planned and we delivered. And I think in this episode you're going to hear, you're going to hear so many facets to a fella who we forget at times how much he's done. We forget how long he's been around the sport. We hear about his journey in boxing, his thoughts on all things around the sport, from journeymen to fight prep, camps and boxing, of course, post-COVID lockdown. And then there's the juicy bits, like training under Brendan Ingle and, and what he's learned, how his life shaped and how his future shaped from training in those years on, in the Winko Bank under the wonderful Brendan. Uh, looking up to, aspiring to Johnny Nelson, while also recognising and seeing the development of the uh, just the unique and special Prince Nazim Hamed, and and then of course to his own fairy tale journey with coaching the likes of David Price and the one and only Tony Bellew and all the magical nights that those guys brought. In between all that, we had his time with Haymaker Promotions and David Hay, and I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. Here's Dave Caldwell. We've just had a little bit of a chat off there about uh, how he's coping with being quarantined, but uh, it's great to have you on. No, listen, man, I'm, I'm, it's a pleasure for me to, to come on. You know, like you say, we've, we've spoke about it for a while and it's just about schedules and um, got a bit of time on my hands now. So, um, so it's a good time. I've laughed my way through the first five minutes chatting with you. It's been a strange year, to say the least, in, in so many different ways. And usually boxing would be tapering down around now when we're getting ready for that mm-hmm. little bit of a break. But we're heading into fight camp week two. But for the first one, it, it was a spectacle to watch. How was it to be part of? Oh, it was it was unreal. Um, it was unreal and it was surreal. It's like nothing else that you've experienced. You can talk about it all you want, um, and you can prepare for it all you want. Even even when you're looking at the bits on social media and you're seeing it getting set up, and um, it looks impressive on on your on your your apps and things like that, and your Instagrams and stuff like that 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 Eddie's putting out. And when you actually walk into the grounds, you pull up, you get off the bus get off the coach and you walk into the grounds and then it starts hitting you and then when you walk into it and you see everything they've built there and then you see the the ring the canopy the the lighting rig mate it's unbelievable they've done a hell of a job they really have it's, it's, it's fantastic it gives it that big event feeling even though it's a behind closed doors job you know so they've created a, a, a great a great event really 
I think, Dave, just to go along with that, one of the positives, one of, and we have to find the positives in all this. And we, yeah. and, and I think, I think boxing is one of the sports, along with with MMA and the likes, that has been to the fore of leading out of this. Because football has been a little bit neutered, it's been a little bit. It takes a bit of getting used. To. When you look at the way the fights are structured now and the way Eddie has done it with Matchroom, it's so much, so much better uh, of what we've seen come from stateside. The quality fights, the opponents. Yeah. Do you think that's something that could be a lasting um, positive that will come from all of this? Oh, what one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Listen, you have had this where you know sports gonna wear. Let's talk about boxing. Boxing's gonna wear. Everything's been locked down. We're dying to see it back. We're all having itchy feet, itchy knuckles. We're all you know. We're all dying to to get live sport back. And then when it comes back, when it's a damp squid, when it's like a prospect against a guy that's just trying to survive and just go through motions ugh it's kind of like oh well well that's rubbish so it's it's like having you know you're a kid and you're excited you're hoping you're hoping for Christmas you're going to get this fantastic present that you've been dying for and, and you kind of like add hints that you might get you know you, your mum and dad keep saying to you oh just wait and see what Father Christmas brings you just wait. and you're kind of like saying oh I think I'm going to get it but you don't know and then when you open it up you get close and it's like socks socks yeah and it's like well you, you're grateful for it because you've got something but you're like well it's not what I wanted well it's kind of like that when, you, when you've when you been waiting for boxes to come back and then it's you know it's, it fights that uh, there's no chance for an upset now I'm not saying there's going to be upsets all the way through with this the fight camp series, but the way that they've been matched up, the competitive fights, you know, um, even in Saturday night when uh, Dalton Smith he knocked his man out, uh, Nathan Bennett came to win, and he was he was landing on Dalton, he was asking questions of Dalton, you know, he was trying, and that's what we want to see. That you know, we don't expect these young prospects to be fighting fighting killers in the in the first couple yeah. of fights, first few fights, but you've got to have them fighting somebody that's there to win. And it's like, as you're going up the ladder, the same thing is, is you know, you, you've got to have a level of intrigue in the fights. Sam Eggington and Ted Cheeseman. You, 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 some people had Cheeseman as a, as a favourite. Some people had Eggington as a favourite. Nobody knew for sure what was going to happen in the fight. And then the fight turned out to be a close fight. You know, James Tennyson and, and, and Gavin Gwynn. Gavin, although he was, you know, he was beating him, he kept firing back. He was tough. He kept trying to win. He was trying to turn, turn the tide. And just before he got, he got stopped. He, you know, the shots that he was landing on on tennis and good body shots, good shots back. And he, he just kind of thought, you know, I thought, oh, if this goes a few more rounds, I wonder how this ends up. But then Tennyson gets him out there for his power. But these fights, they're asking questions of the guys that are winning. You know, and and that's what that's what we want to see. That's what we want to see, and that's what we're getting. And like you say, when everything goes back to normal, I think this is how it's going to be. I think it sharpens the senses really much so, and I think Jordan alluded yeah. to that today when he chatted yeah. with the lads. And I think uh, we we got to get. What, before I get to that one, was I wanted to say something that an old pal of yours, Kieran Farrell, who's a real good pal of mine here, and has helped me a lot, and we've chatted an awful lot. He he went into good detail to me a couple of episodes about uh, how people expect to have this uh, this bad image or bad view of journeymen and all that and he's, it, yeah. he said no matter what happens a new prospect a new fighter coming out of it, coming out of traps has to has to fight those guys at some point in time yeah. because you can't as you just said there expect them just to jump headlong into a killer a fight with a killer that yeah. can't happen but it's to find the measure isn't it I think and that's what we're doing yeah. right now 
yeah, but so you see, this is this is a um, sometimes it's a misconception. When you say the word journeyman about and describe a fighter as a journeyman, ninety nine percent of people out there just automatically think it's somebody that's crap and somebody that just doesn't even try and doesn't do anything and it's just a waste of time, a punch bag. That's what people associate with. But then there are journeymen with. When you look on paper, they've got shocking records. Brett Fido, you look at his record, just on face value and numbers, you'd say, well, he's not very good. But Brett Fido is a fighter that springs upsets, knocks, you know, beats unbeaten fighters if they're not good enough. And whether you beat him or not, he will give you a workout. He will give you questions that you've got to answer. Now, that is learning. That That is, if a fighter is in front of you, it doesn't matter what his record is. If he's in front of you and he's, if he's posing problems for you, you are learning, you are gaining valuable experience in those those fights. It's the guys that come that, you know, we've, we've seen fighters from Latvia and other, other places like that. They don't, they're not even capable of doing it. And they're not, they don't even try to win. They don't let their hands go. They just put their hands up and wait and, and try and cover up until you knock them out or wear them out. You're not learning from them. Jordan came back from a, a period of his career, Dev, that most fellas, most experienced fellas, most aged, haggard yeah. fellas would struggle with it. By things happening and playing out the way they did, what people mightn't be aware of when Jordan wasn't feeling well, he was ill, he went ahead with the fight because of the pressures that come from within this sport that many yeah. people don't see. So if the fight gets called at the last minute, he'll be criticised because he didn't want to fight. If the fight goes yeah. ahead yeah. and he's not... It's an excuse. But I think the yeah. way it was done, the way it was handled, and I think everything else, and the way he's come back from it in his very first fight, Reese Bellotti and Jordan Gill would have been a, a smashing fight on any other on any other card. But I think that story, it opened so many people in the sport, especially the casual fans. It, it, do you think it, it pulled the curtain back a little bit more as to the pressure that are on these young fellas? Uh, maybe, but the problem is it, it can happen again because this is... You know, this is the pressure that fighters feel under. Um, so, long story short, for those that don't know, um, a, a few years ago, Jordan, uh, on a before he was with me, he he'd sold ten thousand pounds worth of tickets. Um, he sat waiting in the changing rooms for uh, to fight, and then um, the opponent of somebody that was one of the TV fights had pulled out, and so they took his opponent, they took Jordan's opponent off him, and he was left without a fight. It sold ten thousand pounds worth of tickets. That's a lot of ticket sales. Um, and they travel two hours to go and wash in box. Now, when you're trying to, when you're coming through the ranks as a, as a as a boxer and you're not a massive promoted fighter, ticket sales are essential. Otherwise, promoters don't put you on and they don't they don't you know yeah. they don't do anything with you. Now, you then try and explain to people then that have paid the money, taken a night off, taken a day off work because it's it's such a long long distance and things like that, and then they've turned up and you've not boxed. You try and get them to come and watch you again. That takes a period of time. So then he's come to me. He's built up a following again, and and, and his his um you know his profile started rocketing. And then he's got you know obviously he's on the crest of a wave now, and he's boxing at Nottingham again. He sold loads of tickets. But what happened previously, not not far before that, was Josh Kelly pulled out yeah. of a fight um, on the day of the fight, and the abuse that he got on social media was unbelievable calling him a coward and also now fighters don't like being called cowards right nobody does but a fighter you should never call a fighter a coward now josh kelly got so much abuse him and his coach adam booth got so much abuse but they did the right thing because josh wasn't well on the morning Mm. of the fight so they pulled him out now jordan looked at that and thought 
I'm not getting all that. He looks at the fact that he's got all these fans that have come and they've been let down before like that, and he's thinking, well, I've you know I've struggled to to, to come out of the shadows. I'm I'm now in the spotlight. If I pull out now, are Sky going to be mad with me? Are you know his matchroom going to be mad with me? Have I blown my chance? Well, I'll just get discarded. So he's got all these sort of demons in his head, and where he made the mistake is he didn't speak to me about it. So he went ahead with the fight. It got he had food poisoning. And basically, it was on the toilet all day. Now, I'm not being funny. As, as anybody, if you work in an office and you have food poisoning, you have stomachache, you know, what, what, whatever follows with, with food poisoning, you don't want to be at work and you feel rubbish. Now, that's just sat there doing whatever at work. Now, you imagine then getting punched in the stomach. Every time you get punched in the stomach, you, you can't take it. And that's what happened in the fire. So it got beat. Now, people just say, oh, yeah, but that's an excuse. But we know what happened. We know how we felt. But we never just... We never just treat it as though it were, that was it. We, you know, we still yeah. said, "Look, you still made mistakes in the fight. You made wrong decisions. Let's correct them. Let's improve the fight and come back." And that's why he wanted, you know, that that's why he wanted to prove to himself that that we was right, and and to himself and to to everybody else, you know, that that he he, he isn't frail. He isn't, he hasn't got you know an issue with, with with being tough and not tough enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think anybody anybody that genuinely watches the, watches the fella and watches his fights and watches him and watches his relationship with you and the way you guys speak to and for, around each other, I think there's a certain amount of trust in this sport. I think that's the fair word to use is that when there's certain people speak, you being one of them, it's respected and it's taken as being truth. It's not taken as being... Oh, so, yeah, but, but but no, there were... No, there were... I mean, in <laughs> in fight, fight week, there were... There were Rumors about you know that they were, they were saying on TV about how he's his frail to body and this is this. Well, I, I challenge anybody to have, have have food poisoning and then get get mm-hmm. slapped around to the body and, and not have a reaction. So you know it, that's that's the problem with you know with with boxing. If you don't tell people there was an issue, then people don't know and they just think that you're crap. And and if you do tell people, then it's an excuse. So you know you can't win and you can't please everybody. All you can do is come back from learn from it, come back from it, and. And, and and carry on moving on up up the ladder. And from your point of view as a coach, who who would be, I'm sure, one of the many demands that a coach makes of a fighter, as a fighter does, is it's that honesty, it's that openness, it's that, uh, and and people again will say, oh, how did you not? How did how did nobody see her? How did you not listen? Yeah. Us us lads are well capable, men especially, we're well capable of hiding yeah. stuff from anybody. Yes. But going forward, yeah. I suppose, it's there now. It's it's it's. You say it's likely to happen again somewhere. I will go as far as to say it'll never happen to you or one of your fellas yeah. again. Anyways, no, but no. does it take a little bit of? Was there is there an issue there to deal with afterwards? It's a matter of come on, mate. Or or he yeah. lost out just as much as you did, didn't he? If not more so. So oh god, he, yeah, he, he lost out. Yeah, he costs. It's, it's him. It's all about the fighter. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, listen, we. I shouldn't say it because people say, "Are oh, you being sexist?" But everybody is. But but men, especially are known for not not wanting to not wanting to be open about how they feel, what stresses are under, what pressures are under. And, and you know, Jordan just didn't, he, he kept it to himself. His own dad, his dad didn't know, you know. And, and, and on the day of a fight, a fighter has a lot of his own downtime. He wants to go and chill out in his room. He wants to, yeah, he, he wants to be, yeah. he wants to have a lay down, a rest or whatever. So you, you're not with them all the time. And so even when you're with them, you don't know what they're doing when they get to the toilet. You know, you you don't. It's like, you know, you don't know what anybody's doing. You know, anyone can hide how they're feeling. Anyone can hide 
you know, what's going on health wise and, and how they're feeling that day, you know, oh, I'm just nipping off the toilet and they go, you know, you, you don't know. And no. that's, that's why I didn't know, but I knew there was something not right with him when we were in the changing rooms. Cause he was off on the pads. It was just off and he just, he just wasn't himself. And I could see in his face and I just thought, is he nervous? But you know, you, but you, you can't turn around to a fighter who's about to go and fight and say, mate, you don't look well, or you don't, you know, is there something wrong with you? Feeding, because, you could be feeding into the issue then. Yeah, well. yeah, because, yeah. because, because then also is he might just be nervous and might not, might, he might not be ill. And then you're saying that to him. And then all of a sudden you, in his head, he starts thinking, I must be looking shit. I must be looking rubbish. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to get beat. Oh, I'm, I'm, and then you start putting pressure on them and putting doubts on them before they were to go to, to the ring to fight. But again, any of the questions or any of the doubts or any of the trolls that might have had issues in the run-up to that and everything that happened since would have been answered emphatically by not just by the performance. And to be fair to Jordan, and I'm massive respectfully to him and Ray Spilotti, if there was any of those things in play that he was accused of because of that loss and everything else, yeah. out the window as minute, he not only yeah. did he t- win the fight, but when he took the fight, First yeah. one back against a fella like that who yeah. hits hits people. Look at the, look at as, yeah. as the best I could say is Jordan made that look, and I mean this in the most respectful way. He made it look easy on Saturday night, yeah. but if you yeah. look at his face today, you realise yeah. how hard that fella hits, yeah. and he didn't get to yeah. land too much. Yeah. Is that fair yeah. to say? Uh, it, it's fair to say, and you know, fair play to Jim McDonald, Reese Blot, his trainer. He said to me and Jordan after the fight um, backstage, and um, he said, "Listen, he says." You are tough. He says, I, he says, honestly, he says, take this, wow. you know, into your career. He says, you are so tough. He says, you've got beautiful skills. He says, I can't believe your defense is, but he says, you're very fit because Reese is so fit. He says, but you are so tough. He says, he says, I see this kid in 16 ounce gloves and head guards on, knock people out in the gym regular. He says, knock people out. He says, he's one of the hardest punches I've ever seen. He says, the hardest punch that he's ever worked with. He says, he's a, he's legitimately a real puncher. And uh, he says, you took some shots. He says, he, he says, ahead. He says, he, he, he landed some good shots to the body. He says, you haven't got no vulnerabilities at all. And that's no. what Jim McDonald said to him. So, you know, it, 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 people, I don't know whether they saw, you know, what you see on TV, whether you pick up the shots that actually landed. Jordan got hit hard and he got hit with some good shots. He really did. And, you know, he, he, he handled it. He handled it fine. He handled it how I see in the gym. You know, I, I've, I've, in the three years that, that I've been training him now, it's about three years, coming up to three years, um, I've never seen him hurt in the gym, to the head, to the body. And that's why the first time we went down against Tinoco, that's why it was a sh- I actually thought he stumbled over because I was that shocked that he yeah. went over. I couldn't understand how he could get, how, how something insignificant could put him over. And, you know, and that's that shows you how much you know how much of a shell of a man he was on that on that night. And he's you know he's put a lot of demons away with that performance on on Saturday. You know, it, it, you can you can believe something, and you can you can you know you know that you, how you felt, and you know everything. But when people keep saying it often enough, you can sometimes start believing their version. Start well, am I as tough as what mm. what I thought I was? You know, and. Sometimes you have to you have to prove to yourself, and when you prove to yourself, then the demons have gone, and then you know everything 
everything starts working out again. If you want a compliment from one of the toughest fellas in boxing in his era and his generation and across yeah. any generation to get that from Jimmy McDonald, yeah. teak yeah. tough, one of the most special yeah. fellas, and what what a compliment from his point of view. Yeah, and uh, and and you know what? It was I just thought as well because. He didn't have to say that. No. He didn't have to say that, and he did. And I thought that was really nice for him, that was. It really and it'll was. And that, w- that will register with Jordan, too, because he's a yeah. clever fella. He studies the game, you know, by listening to him, and you know, by. Yeah. That means something coming from somebody like that, you know? Yeah, definitely. Something I wanted, I suppose, to touch on, we can look at some of the fights and some of the special fighters that you've been involved with in your time, but everything has changed, whether this is the new normal or whether it's not. But mm. COVID has, has caused everything to change. From from a trainer's point of view and from the gym, had you got much to do to put in place to get a play, to get things ready and in position for when the fellas come back to go into camp? Oh yeah, we had to we had to get it all all clean, industrially cleaned and everything and sanitized and um you have to have masks there, you have to have hand hand sanitization there. Uh, you, you just have to do that. I mean, I'm quite fortunate in that my gym's not open to the public. So I didn't have to go to extreme measures that, that a lot of other gyms have had to you know, there's just myself, Jordan Hopi, and Lauren Richards, and that's it. Um, it's just, you know, just for for the fighters, just for the athletes. It's not a public gym, so um, yeah, I was quite fortunate in that respect. Um, so, and so as, as well, it's it's you know, once you get back to work, it's quite, it's kind of like you're straight back into your routine. Um, but yeah, it, it was a it's been a bit like to be honest, yeah. old, you know, to get things ready and th- things like that. And and then from the camp point of view to to I suppose to put the structure in place for the for the lads in camp and for for everything to place it it, it pretty much it takes a whole you pretty much had to revamp it didn't you take it apart and go again yeah 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 you do and and also it's like you know we um we we go we was wanting to go over to America for sparring and things like that you can't do that now and yeah, it, yeah. there's just a lot of a lot of changes and a lot of, a lot of modifications that you've got to make in that respect. But ultimately, a gym's a gym. You get on with your work. Um, the sparring bit is the way you're a little bit nervous when you start coming for COVID tests because you don't, you know, you have to bring sparring partners in, and you don't know, you know, because they they're not they're not part of your team, and you don't know where, what they're doing when they're going away. Are they are this, you know, are, are they in close circles or, or do they go and mingle with everybody and everything? Are they going to pick it, pick anything up or not? So it, it's you know, it's quite it's quite tricky, but you just have to get on with it and and just do the best that you can. People think that the big thing for the fighters is going to be on the night. I, I and I said this to Sam Eglinton last week, and I had a, I also had Dex Bellman on. The fight night is probably the closest the lads are going to have to a sparring session because they're used to just yeah. your team and their team being there. It's that that yeah. side of things. Of course, I'd say it's a bit different when when there's shots landed and of course when the yeah. fight when the announcement the results and everything else but the fight from from the build up to it and all that that's where I suppose the real tension and the anxiety would, would be tended to feed into wouldn't it yeah that's right yeah. I suppose people that would be following boxing closely for a while and, and following you and, and, and all the different stories but Manny mightn't be aware that there was a, there was another uh, special Irish man who, who helped shape your early years in the sport can you talk to us a little bit about that time we spent with Brendan and training in the Winkabank do you know what it was it was life experience that's what it was um i had a very very harsh childhood coming through um boxing was my escape you know the, I, I didn't have many friends at all um until i went to the until i went to brenda's gym and then the people in that gym were my friends you know um people in that, that gym were people that i looked up to people that i learned from and um, people that had gone on to influence my life as I've become a, a you know an older man, Johnny Nelson. He, yeah. he he influenced me 
by I used to I used to follow him around the uh, around the gym. He'd do his pull ups, press ups, dips in a in a circuit. Pull ups, press ups, dips. Pull ups, press ups, dips. And I just used to copy him, follow it around, follow it around. As he got older, I wanted to be like him when when I got older. And so, you know, I, he's kept himself in shape as he got on, to be an older man. And so the same thing is as I've done the same. He's he's kind of always been that kind of influence on me. Um, yes, Prince Nassim was a massive influence because he was he was the you know he was the superstar of the gym. But I identified with Johnny more, yes. and, and I kind of I kind of like. Um, I took more from from Johnny probably than than anybody else in my life, to be honest. I'm smiling there when you're saying this because as I was writing these questions earlier on, I was saying to myself, if people were to ask me to list some of my favorite fighters, I tend to lean towards fellas like Johnny, fellas like uh, fellas like that. Who who Naz was one of those fellas who comes. Who's, you can see he's naturally gifted. He has it all. He had it all, and everything was. I won't say it was easy to him, but it 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 looked easy and it came easy to him. But no, he he was special. He special, was special. The yeah. things that he would do was special. Yeah. His, his aura, his charisma. Um, his personality and what he do he, he was special now when somebody's that special don't forget don't don't go, don't get me wrong you you aspire to be like them you do want to because you do you, you know you, you want to be like them you want to have the glitz and the glamour of what he's got you want to be rolling in the different cars that he's got and things like that you, you aspire to do that but it's very hard to um, identify with yourself with that because it's so far fetched from your your realms of reality. Whereas I looked at Johnny and I thought I can be like him mm. because he lost his first few first few amateur fights, first few pro fights. He, he lost twelve fights throughout his career before he ended up winning a world title. You know, you can identify with something like that that just seems normal. And through hard work, he's persisted and he's got there. Now, I thought through hard work, I can succeed. And you can identify that. When when somebody's just an absolute one-off superstar, yeah. um, it's great to look at and, 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 and to aspire to. And it's great to have in the gym um, because it's kind of like, look at what can be achieved. But there are so many different aspects of that for starters and I started at about seven years old and he was in that gym from seven years old if you're walking at 15 years old it's kind of like straight away we're thinking well, well he's got a big head start um, and if he's got all this massive amount of confidence and you're the shyest person in the room that had absolutely just crapped themselves if somebody said hello to you you didn't know how to you didn't know how to speak to strangers without sweating because of nerves and you didn't you, you were scared to express yourself when you get in a ring you're the total opposite to that personality. So how you know the, there is no bridge. There doesn't seem to be any bridge to get to where they're at. Whereas if you can identify with someone, like I said, I'll keep going back to Johnny because I could identify him with him, and I could see a path that I could get to a life like him. You know, and and that's for me. I, I love I love having superstars as, as role models. I do. I really do. And I, and I I do that with, with my little boy. You know, he, he looks up to Ronaldo because his work ethic. He look, but but that's the main thing. He looks up to Ronaldo because of his work ethic, not because he does all these skills, he scores all these goals and all that sort of stuff. He, he looks up to him because of his work ethic. So he can identify that and he can put that into his life. So he knows that if he works as hard as that, then it's, anything's possible. So that's what I'm saying. If you can, If you can identify something, a feature that a superstar has, then you can reach that, you can attain that, you can you can follow that path. But if you kind of can't, 
because they're completely different. They're com- you don't see that kind of life. You know, you, you don't, it's hard to say. So somebody like Mayweather is, is a one-off, is, is a superstar. You don't see enough of him training. You understand? Yes, he does. He does train so hard and he's dedicated and everything like that. But you don't see enough of him to train to be able to follow that path directly. Whereas, you know, and and with with how he is and everything, it's so far from reality that although you want to be a Mayweather, it's very hard to try and copy and, and, and you know, copy and paste sort of thing. So you kind of look at other fighters, you, you can watch, you can study, you can follow the path and, and, and then hope to, you know, achieve what they're achieving. They're the type of fighters that I tend to gravitate towards. The likes of Johnny, the likes of even your pal Richard Towers. I spoke to Richard mm-hmm. a few times and messaged him a few times throughout the lockdown just to say, hey, big man, how are you? You have an affinity with them a little bit more. And when you look at how life, when life goes on, that they keep recreating themselves, the same as yourself, the same as you did in the coaching, in your media work, as Johnny is doing now with his media work, mm-hmm. and both to be able to look back and say, well, when when you went to the gym in the first day, did you found it hard to have a conversation even without yeah. threatening, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I was always just a, such a big fan. I suppose it was probably because it was the Irish accent first and you see this funny little Irish man and he had all these big, huge, big coloured black fellas who were just such good boxers around him and they just hung on every word. Like, and it wasn't that he was, they were afraid of him. You just knew when he spoke, he could see him. No, 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 no we weren't afraid. That's a special we, gift, isn't it? It was a very yeah, special he, gift. He knew, how to, he knew how to communicate with you. Um, sometimes, you know, people. I get embarrassed when people say, "Oh, you're a good, you're a good coach. You're this, you're this, you're this, blah blah." I don't see myself as a good coach. All I, all I will ever say is that. What I will say is, I'm, I'm pretty good at getting the best out of people. Yeah. Um. And Brendan was a, a Brendan was a fantastic coach, but he knew how to develop and get the best out of you. He knew how to get that out of you that's that's hidden, that's not there. He knew how to pull it out. And that, for me, is such an important quality because you can be the best coach in the world. You can have the you know the, the most amount of knowledge in the world, but if you can't get that knowledge across in a way where the person that you're trying to teach can digest it, understand it, and then do it, there's no point. You know, you know what I mean? You're not, you're not going to get any success there. And those coping mechanisms, Dave, and methods that he used in those days, which which many at the time were, they were even then they were raising their eyebrows, and now they probably would. But I would say they were years ahead of what he was years ahead of his time as a person. The way he was able to communicate and the way he was able to make you guys, I won't say bulletproof, but make you a little bit more resilient. So and, and to be able to when you were going to those different gyms, do you find those things today still stand up? That they still work for you and for your fighters? Yeah, and yeah, in the respect that. For me personally, how um, it's like when when people give you grief, it's like water off a duck's back. Yeah. Whereas if you're not conditioned to that, then when it happens, you can fall apart. And that was what what Brendan was a master at. He was a man, master at conditioning you to not really um, react when people want you to react. You know, um, and in that in its own self would wind the person that's trying to wind you up because you're not reacting you know he would eat the the methods that he had back then oh my god and people's heads people's heads would drop off now you know when people talking about every little thing is is racist or every little yeah. thing is sexist or thing like that oh my god 
thank God they never walked into that gym because you it unless you were in that gym and you saw what went off, you'd be like, what? Because people would be people, first time people come in, be like, what? How can he come in? What? Eh? But it can You had in that gym. You had blacks. You had Asians. You had uh, travelers. You had uh, whites. You had Irish. You had you had everything. You had absolutely everything, all mixed in. All in this little gym, it weren't even a massive gym, all in this little gym, they would all spar together, beat the crap out of each other in sparring, have a laugh at each other, take the mick out of each other, for as colour, for as accent, yeah. for you know what I mean, for everything. But it, it come it was it didn't come from a place of hate. It came from it, it was that's that was the true sense of banter. But it's also conditioners. So we, we you, when a stranger would call you stuff, or whether you'd, if you'd see something graffitied on the wall, it wouldn't offend you because your mind's conditioned to it. You know what's the, listen. What's the point in being offended if somebody calls your name or, or says this to you, says that to you, and then you go and smack them in the face, and you end up being put, put in jail because you've reacted? What what what's the point in being offended to that? If if it if it doesn't, if you make yourself bulletproof through conditioning of your mind then it doesn't matter what their opinion yeah. of them is yeah. and that allows your character then to build as it did with so many other, yeah. so many similar characters like yourself like Johnny and to jump forward a little bit I think um, those those uh, coping mechanisms and those uh, strong characters came into play with you certainly in the Tony Bellew and the David Hay camps because uh, he did try uh, as that first fight got closer Mr Hay uh, did his absolute best to try and get under your skin but it wasn't working was oh, it? Oh he did it did but- but this is this is the thing. He, I just took my mind back to he. He just reminded me straight away as the kids that used to bully me at school, and I just thought, "Wow, you're you just like a. It's like you're a young kid at school trying to bully me, and and I just found it funny. I thought I found it hilarious. What I did, I'll tell you what I didn't like, and what what did, um, what did upset me a little bit is the fact that my daughter then she was she'll have been thirteen, I think. Um, but she's in secondary school. She's going into um, into the classrooms before before they settle down for the lessons and stuff. Kids are all on the laptops, all all in the computer room, stuff like that. And they're all because it's a massive fight. Everybody's talking about. They're on Google. They've got me up. They've got David A up, and the scene, the stuff that David A is saying about me, and that was upsetting my daughter. Mm. And that was the only thing. It never upset me. It never bothered me. I thought it was funny, but. It upset me daughter to hear somebody else talking about a dad like that, and yeah, that that's why when when we beat him, that's why it was just extra extra sweet, really. Yeah. Um, and that's you know, but that, that's listen. At the end of the day, I thank David A for slagging me off and for slagging Tony off and being you know slagging Eddie Earn off and <laughs> creating massive headlines because he made that fight even bigger than what it was, and because everybody was talking about it, our profiles went up. And then when the fight happened, the buys went up. And so then Tony made more money and then I made more money. It yeah. changed my family's life, you know? So ultimately, he, you know, David A did, did me a, a massive favour. did me a massive favour because he changed, he changed our, our family's life. David Hayes' time as a pro, when he, when he hit the scene first, it lit up yeah. the boxing scene, particularly in the UK yeah. because there had been that little bit of a, I won't say a lull, there'd been some special fighters, but I guess again... Yeah. It, it probably coincided with coverage and, and popularity and everything else, but y- you were part of that as well. Haymaker come on to me after I'd already had 
you know, I'd, I'd had Kel Brook winning the British title, I'd had uh, Ryan Rhodes winning British European titles, um, you know, I'd, I'd had a Commonwealth champion, I'd promoted about 30, 30 odd fights, uh, 30 odd shows at that point, and then I, I ended up going to Waymaker, so I'd already established myself as a coach and things like that, um, and a promoter, but that just gave me the profile. Um, working with Haymaker, that that gave me a profile, and that that got me involved with working with like like really big names in the sport. That's what I was trying to allude to. You had the hard yards done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it was a it was a fantastic experience. Like I say, you, one minute you're dealing with like smaller, lower level boxing, and then the next minute you sat in a business meeting with Oscar De La Hoya and Richard Schaefer um, with Golden Boy. And you you sat there at, at a table with them, and it's like wow. And <laughs> you're going home and thinking to yourself, how did I how did I get here? Um, it was just you know it, it was just mad. It was good. It was great being involved in in heavyweight title fights and things like that, and you know and being a part of putting uh, Klitschko versus Heon in Germany and things like that. It's just just huge huge mm. events, um, and you know great experiences, but. You know what? It, it's only when it's only when somebody like yourself asks me or talks to me about it that that it comes back to my mind because it's it's done. It's 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 so far in the past. Once once I've achieved something or once once I've been involved in something like that, once it's done, it's done. It's on to the next you know the next one, and and what's in front of me is more important than what's behind me. I won't say I won anything substantial or, or material on on Tony Bellew, but I won a lot of arguments that this guy is more than what you're seeing because they were seeing yeah. this big as he used to say he had all the names himself but behind all that was one of the most special characters and special people that so many didn't couldn't see or couldn't see past yeah. Tony came to you at a part of his career where it was almost over and done wasn't it yeah. he was he was very low it was, it was almost yeah. we won't say it was but it was it was, it could easily have been couldn't it yeah yeah it was after it was after the Stevenson fight that he asked me to um to go up to his house and, and he wanted to chat with me about his future and what have you and I went up and I'd, I'd walked away from coaching fighters at that point I wasn't coaching fighters anymore um, when Ryan Rose retired I, I packed him coaching fighters sent all, I sent the fighters that I were working with off to work with different coaches um, and uh, I just carried on managing and that was it uh, managing and promoting I was quite happy doing that and then Bell you asked me to coach him um, I only said yes because he's a friend and and you know, we've been friends for years since before his first first pro fight, um, and because I said yes to him, and that's that's how it all started, really. Um, and you know, so so it was after the Stevenson fight, moved up to cruiserweight, and we started a new new chapter there, and just constantly getting getting wrote off <laughs> every single day and every yeah. time. If the curtain were to come down now in lockdown and everything was to stop, which we don't, which yeah. is not going to happen. You've had yeah. some pretty amazing nights, haven't you? Oh, unbelievable. Do you know what? Um, Ed Robinson once said to me, um, I think it was the, it was a hay fight. I think it might have been the first or it'll probably be the second. I can't remember. But he said to me, he said, try and enjoy it. He said, because he, know, he knows what I'm like. I, I can't enjoy it while I'm in it because I'm too focused on what needs to be done. So you don't actually enjoy it. When, because you don't have time to enjoy it so you know when people talk about um living in the present you don't and i think as 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 people we're chasing the future too much we're either you know working as nuts off to save for another day 
you know, to try and save so we can buy a bigger house, a better house, get out of where we're at, get out of, you know, we're, we're trying to chase something, get a new car, get whatever, save up so we can have a family, everything. And because you, you, you're working that hard and you're focused on, on what's in front of you, you don't actually sit there and look at where you are right now, where you was, where you are right now, and actually appreciate where you are right now and think, you know what, I'm happy. Okay, so that's why sometimes we're, ne- we're never happy. And my problem is, is I, I was like that. And and I kind of, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of never really got to enjoy the big nights um, because I was, you know, obviously I was worried about the job. I've got a job to do. But, but also as soon as, like, would win, I'll be thinking about the next fight. So mm-hmm. I remember when he boxed when he boxed BJ Flores, he he, he, he went out there just had a Torres, uh, he just had a tail up. He was absolutely useless uh, getting it with all sorts. And in the soon while we're having photos after the fight and everything, I'm thinking, if you box like that against him, you're getting knocked out. <laughs> and so I can't, you know, and, I've, and I'm not being funny. I've, we've just had a successful yeah. world title defense, so I should be happy, but. I'm having photos and trying to smile, but inside I'm thinking, shit, what are you, what are you doing? What, what have you done? And so I, I didn't even enjoy that. And, and sometimes I have, to remind, I have to actually be reminded that we did have a world title defense in that fight because I'm like, oh, I forgot about that because I, I just completely disregarded it. And so it's like the, the first day of fight, what happens and he wins and it was such a massive thing. I was so happy. But at the same time, straight away, my mind's on to the next one because I know we're going to fight him again. So my mind's on to that one. And so the only one that I will I will say that I can say that I, I kind of like lived in the moment with, and Ed Robinson did say it, was um, it was it, it was the, it was a rematch because as far as I was concerned, it was going to retire after that fight. And that's what was the plan was. It was going to have the rematch, beat him in the rematch and retire. So I kind of had it in my head that, this was it and just just enjoy this this is going to be the last big one and um and so i did kind of live in the moment a little bit more on that one but obviously then we had Usyk, and then it was just such an high pressure form because it was the um undisputed um so i couldn't really i couldn't really enjoy that one because it was just high pressure and 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 um you know so much at stake but at the same time it was quite emotional because and knew win or lose that was his last fight so it was the, it was the end it was you yeah. know it, it was the end of the road sort of thing and it was it was quite an emotional fight even even when we walked out from the chain rooms it was like this is the last time we're doing this and you 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 both you don't you're not saying it but you both know it and you both you know have certain looks about you um so yeah um it's very hard for me to 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 live in the moment so it's only when you look back and then you know somebody asked me about Goodison and I just I'll relive every single second and it's like it was yesterday and it's just it's just the most amazing feeling really yeah I think do you know what I said something recently about uh, when Jack Charlton died I think he was to me as an Irish kid growing up it was he was one of those fellas who was always old to me he was always old so so you just expect him to be always there and you guys you had this little window of a career where it was almost at the end of Tony's but it was by far and above the best it was like he compacted yeah. three careers into that yeah. there was ups there was downs but what we got to see at the back of it all was the real yeah. people at the back and and I think you touched on it a few minutes ago it just and I scribbled it down as you were talking about where it, it showed so many different facets to the to the 
game at the highest level as well at the biggest profile fights the two Tony Bellew David Hay fights I would yeah. say domestically they won't be matched for a long time no. but he was able to talk about his fe- his anxiety in the run up to that first fight where yeah. he genuinely talked about his fears and his worries yeah. and he sent his family away, and you as well about yours yeah. people don't see that because they see you guys no. as being these they, yeah. when you're on TV it's almost as if you're, you're, you're superhuman you know that, yeah. that was um, they were layers as well they all fed into yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, listen. You talk. This. This is where where sometimes social media or people on social media, um, they don't either. They, either they don't think about it or they just show what truly nasty people they are. Because you're dealing with people have emotions. It doesn't matter whether you're a fighter. It doesn't matter whether you're a footballer earning millions or whatever. Money. Money doesn't check your emotions. You know, you've got emotions, and and when you've got something that's that means so much to you coming up, when you've you know, and it's a sport where you can get hurt in, yeah, and and it's a sport where you you're stripped completely bare. If you were to get beat, you, you're vulnerable. You stri- it's almost like being stripped naked in the middle of the ring. You know, there's no way to go when 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 you get beat. The fighters' life dreams, aspirations, everything, future is all on that. When a fighter loses, he knows his, his money then for his next for his family, for his next fights or whatever have dropped down dramatically, massively. You know, a fighter's career only lasts for so long and then he's got his rest of his life to to, to live. So what he's earning now is he's trying to he's trying to build as bigger a bigger head start and as big a uh, block that he's got so he can he can have a nice life for as long as he can in, in the future. And when he gets beat it shatters that, but he'll have been training for God knows how many years before he before you even heard of him, trying to fulfil his dreams, and he's out there trying, and then you know he's got all that pressure on him, pressure of the family that's depending on him, you know, friends, people saying this, people saying good luck, people saying that you get beat, but then you see it on Twitter and Instagram and things like that, you have a lot, a lot of pressure, and then when it does go wrong, and then you see people the messages that they send and things like that it's just it can be so vile but mm. this is what I'm saying is is everybody's human just because somebody's doing something extraordinary and to what you're doing then it doesn't mean that they're invincible and they should be there that oh well you, you're doing that job you're in public eye you should, you should learn to live with it no because we have emotions we're just human you, can, you know you can't just say oh, deal with it because you're in public eye you know, it's it's it's, it's emotions, and, and everybody gets affected. And then, you know, it makes you, it makes you cringe when when these people, somebody somebody commits suicide or something, and everybody says, "Oh, be kind, be kind, be kind." And then next minute, you see them absolutely slaying somebody for what they've got on, what they wear, how tall they are, you know, what colour, whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's no consistency to it and there's no thought about emotions whatsoever I think as well there's a lot of times people something that I try to live by when I'm speaking about or to fighters and trainers and people in the sport is I, I'll never say anything that I couldn't say to them if I'm standing beside them to or the around fair. them and because there's 99.99% of people will say stuff on social media particularly on Twitter and that says bit where they yeah. wouldn't dare in a million years say it to me or you let alone know, yeah. uh, anybody and, and that's that's the sad part of, of those sort of people but as I said that was a, a very special um, career and, and one of the most for me I, you watch so much fights and, and watch so many of them and you've seen so many special ones and 
there's some of them stick in my mind. The one that very hardest that I watched and and, and almost didn't watch, and I had no pro- problem in holding my hand up and had a tear in my eye was that last one against Usyk. Yet I didn't want that finish. To it. I, I knew it was coming. No, I knew no, yeah, I knew I for know. it to. I knew it was what he wanted if it was going to happen that way. That it ha- and he keeps saying I wanted to beat out of me, but some things yeah. I just can't watch, and that was one of them. And uh, I've never watched it since ever. I was I was close to watching the documentary last week. Chasing great. Yeah, I just could, I've not watched it. No, <laughs> And I can't because it's it's just it was too real. If, if you know, there is such I've, thing, I've I've only ever seen the ending of that fight once. Um, I can't I can't watch it back. Um, I watched the fight up, you know, up to the last round, um, but I, I won't watch the mm. last round. I won't watch the ending. But they sprung it on me when I was commentating for the first time after. It was a, a foreign fight, um, middle at night, and this play, and I was like, oh, and it was just, just yeah, it's, it's gut not, wrenching. It's it, is. it is, and then even the way, even the way to see it played out afterwards, it's just. But you know what it was, in, and we'll 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 just round out that little bit on a positive was the funniness of all that with the bell you brought, and and the reality and the, and the ups and downs with hey, uh, even after all of that. David came back to you with, and he brought Del Boy with you. So yeah, <laughs> I know. I know <laughs> How yeah. there is no strange. Oh, nothing can, it's amazing, isn't it? I'll tell you what. You you'll never. When that phone went, <laughs> I looked at my phone and I went, "It's David, eh? Should I, I even answer and, this?" <laughs> and and even my kids, my kids looked at me and I said, "What?" <laughs> and then so I went, I went into, I went upstairs on to answer it, and um. It was like all chatty, chatty, all nicey, nicey, and everything. And and then he then he asked me, he says, you know, would you work? I'd like you to work with Derek. I was like, really? Um, and he, yeah, it was so it was mad, but yeah, it's, listen, it's, it is what it is. And then again, from working is. with those lads again, working with the big fellas, like the likes of Pricey, mm. who who I've spoken yeah. to to uh, Kevin McBride as well. As people see those big fellas as big being big giants and they're big, but there there's so many more levels to them and layers to them, isn't there? They're yeah. just they're special yeah. sort of characters. Yeah, yeah, massive characters, massive characters. And you know what? The every I've always said, and I don't mean in a disrespectful way, right? Because I was a I was a fighter once myself, but. Anybody that becomes a boxer has to be slightly mad. Yeah, they have to. They have to have something in them that's slightly unhinged, because it's just. It's just. Why would you? Why? It's not even about the getting punched in the face bit. It's the. It's the solitary lifestyle. It's it's the you know taking yourself away from your family. It's. It's just a very hard, hard sport. You know, it's 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 not the most sociable of sports. You're opening yourself up to, to massive criticism. You 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 put your body through massive amounts of, of stress and strain every single day. So, and then you're getting punched in the face every day, and it's like, so it's it's you've got to be half a fruitcake to be a boxer. And then you get you insulted know? for it by people that have never lasted love in their life, <laughs> telling yeah, you what to do. Yeah, yeah. You've rekindled your Irish connection over the last while. Many people here know, most people in boxing know about it. You've got Big Polly under your wing now. Yeah. That, that's yeah. that's another chapter. That's that's a new one for you. Tell us a little bit about that one. Do you know what? That's a frustrating one because I'm dying to get him out. And You're excited Colby. about him. I can hear by the way oh, you talked about yeah, him in the past. I am. I am because he's, a, he's exciting. He's an exciting fighter. Um, he actually reminds me in, in his attitude and how he is. Um, how he is in you know in in, in the ring and what have you? Um, he actually reminds me a bit of of Tony, a young light heavyweight Tony Tony really? Bellew. 
um, yeah, where he's going out there, seek and destroy. Um, you know, fans fans love that sort of attitude. Yeah. Um, and and that's what that's what his attitude is. He wants to go out there and smash you up, knock you out. It's just frustrating because I want to get him out, but because of because of this um, virus, obviously the shows. There's only Eddie and Frank that putting shows on. MTK, I'm just in the middle of speaking to him about possibly, you know, the, the, when I can get him out. Um, so it, it's just once once the world starts moving a little bit again, he'll be back out. You know, or will be he'll be making his debut. You know, and that's. That's what we want. We want and to get the ball rolling. To me, it always comes across and it's always very striking. You've got a relationship with your fighters and that has yeah. to be there for you to work with that fighter. Is yeah, that that's right. Yeah. Same yeah. as your important thing. You balance yeah. it with your family and with your fighters. There must be a million and one different things that go into you making a, a choice about coaching fighters and I don't doubt for a minute that you have many, many offers and many approaches but yeah. what would be some of the key points, uh, Dave, that you would look at when it looks at... Obviously, talent would be would be probably one of the areas but the more important areas that you'd look at when it comes to working with a fighter and, and building those relationships. Not, you see, if I'm going to be training a fighter, that means that I'm, I'm spending time with you. That means that I'm, if I'm spending time with you, I'm not spending time with my kids and my missus so then that means that you've got to have something special about you I've got to like you and you've got to be on my wavelength and if you you know if that's the case then you're not going to give me headaches if you're going to give me headaches I haven't got time for headaches you know um, because like I said yeah, if I'm spending time with you I'm not spending time with my family right. um, I'm here now I'm sat I'm, I'm sat in quarantine and I, you know it's, my family's gone away They're, my family's on holiday um, they've gone to Cornwall um, so I, I'm not spending my my kids summer holiday because I've got a fighter on. So I'm I for me to do that, that tells you the level that I think of Hopi Price. Yeah. You know because I I didn't when when his dad, so when his when his dad um want, asked me to train him. Well, firstly, it was Charles Franklin's dad that asked me that told me about him. And I was like, no, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. And then he said, please just speak to his dad. And I was like, just out of respect, I spoke to his dad. And I explained to his dad, I said, look, I'm, I'm not I'm not bothered about uh, training any more fighters. I'm quite happy as I am. He's, and he's literally, please, mate, just let just meet him. Just just meet him. You like him. He lives the life. He's a lovely lad, blah, 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 blah. I was like, all right. I said, just come down and we'll have a chat. And I, and I, and yet I genuinely didn't think I was going to say yeah. And then literally... A minute into speaking to a kid, I met him, and I just thought, "What a lovely kid!" And that was it. And then that was it. And I've been away to LA with him. I've took him to LA with us, what on training camp. I've been to Saudi with him when he fought. You know, it, it, he's he's worth my time. You know, I love spending time with him. He's a nice kid. He, he, he listens. He doesn't give me one bit of trouble. Jordan's same. You know, Leron Richards has now come. He's the exact same. You have to have that sort of personality where. I get on with you. Um, you you are a good person, and the big you know what the big one is is when the first time you meet my kids and stuff, and see how my kids react to you and how you react with my kids. Derek was amazing with my kids. Do you know Tony Dave? Was, that was one. Tony was amazing with my kids. Tell us that story. He's now Uncle Del, isn't he? <laughs> He's, yeah, Uncle Desa. Uncle Desa. <laughs> my, my daughter calls him Uncle Desa. She loves him. She loves him to bits. My little boy loves him to bits. And the first thing, you know, when we, when, whenever, because me and Derek still stay in touch. Yeah. And when, when we speak on the phone, first thing he'll say is, How's the kids, man? How's your wow. family, man? You know, 
Tony, he's he's Uncle Tony to to Brooke. Always has been, always right. will be. He he always says to her when he sees her, you know, anybody's DNS, you you tell them, you you tell them they've got me to deal with. You know, the my fighters that I work with are my family. You know, they're, yeah. they're an extended family. And and like I said, Derek was a big surprise. Derek was a big surprise. I I thought he was going to be awkward and hard to to, to work and with. Sour but and grumpy. He, <laughs> he, yeah, he is. He is. A, brilliant with kids he is brilliant with kids he's a proper big they, well my me, me daughter just says you know he, he's like a big teddy bear that's what he's like he is brilliant with kids um so my kids love him to bits um my kids see jordan and and hope he is as like brothers you know it, my my theo looks up to jordan massively because jordan will, will do little bits of, of um not the weights but snc and mobility training for his football, he'll do he'll do that on a Wednesday. He'll train Jordan on a Wednesday. He loves he loves working with him. He's, he's taught him mecha- mechanics of running because that's what he struggled on getting his mechanics right. And Jordan's taught him that. He's he's come to LA with us on training camps and to Dubai with us on training camps. So he knocks about with Yoki and, and Jordan because he's, he's he's my little boy. You know, he's, he's yeah. nine. But sorry for cutting across. How amazing yeah. is that for a career that the juice has almost at a certain point was kind of just plodding along, plodding along. Now yeah. you're you're running camps. And not, yeah. it, the profile is gone from the lads in the yeah. camp from being uncle yeah. and dad to yeah. they're big, big brothers and big, yeah. and and it must be just yeah. mind blowing to see your young Theo there, who is a promising yeah. footballer in his own right, I believe, um, yeah. to be alongside those lads. That must be something but special. That, but that's that's what's that's what's so good about the, it's what I'm saying about when 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 I take fighters on, it's not just it's not just I'm training them to come up pads, teach them boxing, and that's it. You know, they're a part of they're a part of our lives, a part of our family's life. And and that's you know that's that's where it's why it's worth me spending time with him you know that's that's because it's family it's not just a job if it's just, I don't need to just carry on doing this just as a job you know I I want to I want to help people fulfil the dreams you know that's that's uh, listen I once once I once I um got got that world title win with with. Tony, then I'd you know obviously Jamie would have won world titles, world title fights with Jamie as well. But once once I did that, then from then on, I am I haven't got people think I have, but I haven't got a big ego, right? I want to win, but I'm not I'm not chasing nothing. I'm not chasing nothing. If I walk away from boxing tomorrow, if if Opie Price were to retire tomorrow, if Jordan were to retire tomorrow. If now Laurent were to to uh, uh, retire tomorrow, right? I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy what I've done. I've I've won titles from area to 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 world titles, right? So we've got everything. I've done every. I've ticked every box. I can't then say, oh, yeah, but I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have stuck around with that. I'm not chafing anything. Yeah. So I'm doing it because I enjoy the people that I work. I enjoy working with the people that I'm working with. I love it. I love it. You know, and, I don't ever get up in the morning and think I'm going to work, and I'm in a position where I'm trying to help people achieve what they want to achieve. The minute that they say I'm done, I've achieved what I've achieved. Happy days. If they can get a mortgage paid or as close to as paid as possible, happy days. You know, Lee Wood, he's he is what you know. He's a diamond or a kid, and he had nothing, and his career was going nowhere. And then within twelve months, me managing him. He wins a Commonwealth title. He's, you know, he's got into. He's done well with in, in MTK tournament. Obviously, he got beat in his last one, but he's earned himself some money. 
he's got himself a, a, a flat now and things like that and it, it, you know it's changed his life listen it's just it's a brilliant sport I love the sport I love what it can do for people and so you know I'm, I'm in it because I love it I'm in it because I enjoy it I'm not in it because I need it I, I don't need it so you know it's, that's when that's when the the pressures for yourself are off yeah. I feel the pressures for my fighters I get emotional because of my fighters because I know what it yeah. means to them you know but the days of, of where I, where the pressures were on for me they're you know fortunately they're, they're gone I've, I've ticked the boxes so it, that just allows you to enjoy it more and and the last yeah. thing I'll say to you I hope as do all the other fight fans around the world and especially here I hope it goes on for a long, long time because I think you've, particularly with such a young crop of fighters coming through and a young profile, I think once this Olympic cycle is over as well, we're going to see another crop. But for now, the only thing I suppose we landed on a light humour. Did they at least give you a, a room with a view? Are you now that you're going to be stuck there for another few hours? <laughs> and you know what? Last week, last week, my my view was this hedge. <laughs> that was it. Like a hedge, like literally two foot away from me. That window. must be Eddie's and old room, was it? This, yeah, this this week I've come in, and my view is straight, <laughs> literally where security stands, and I, so I can see when people are coming in and coming out at the hotel. So uh, that's that's my view right now. But um, yeah, it's not great, mate. It's not. And yourself and Fowler, you'll be okay to talk. You'll be everything's cool. Let oh, let it bother on. He'll yeah, light up that yeah, place me, for the next few days. Anyway. You know, me, me and me and Fowler are sound. We get on sound, and I, you know he, he knows. He knows that I wish him all the best. Um, we say, in fact, we were te- we were texting earlier on today. We, we're still staying in touch and everything. Because um, I was after the Cheeseman fight, I texted him about that. Um, you know, he, he needs to he needs to get that Cheeseman fight made as soon as possible. Because yeah. that's 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 a fight that he. Yeah, I think he wins. Up I wish you well for the last few there. hours. I think these are going to be the toughest part of the next few hours, and I think you will cruise yeah. through the rest of the week. <laughs> Cheers, man. Chat to you soon, my friend. Thanks very much Take for your care, time. Man. All you the best. Bye bye. Isn't it fascinating to hear Dave relive those colossal boxing stories that had so many of us fans engrossed, gripped, yet by his own admission, maybe, maybe, just didn't or couldn't take the time to enjoy it as much as he could or should have. And wraps it up in a perfect line by saying, I think as people, we're chasing the future too much. That's about it from me and them until then. If you've missed any of the previous episodes, I'm going to pop the link in the notes for today's. And if you like it, share it. Spread the love. If you don't like it, hit me up. Get in touch. Let me know what's up. Next time around, I'll be chatting to Eric Donovan about his huge impending fight with Zelfa Barrett and Fight Camp Week 3. Until then, stay safe, stay sane and smile. And remember, all's well that ends well.